welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to the latest episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, Rob Holzer, the uh, founder and CEO of Matter Unlimited, is my guest uh, today. Um, we have been trying <laughs> for a few <laughs> weeks to get this together, eventually with various travel plans and meetings and all kinds of things. Uh, finally, this is a go. So excited to uh, talk to you, Rob. Excited to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, so could you uh, could you take us through um, a little bit of your background, how you got to where you got to? today sure um well um i think i think i always start this with um i, I never really thought i would be in business to begin with <laughs> i was uh i was an am a musician um and you know um er, early dreams of being a rock star but was never really fully satisfied with with music as a as a business um and luckily for me, um, I'm of an age where there was this new, really cool thing called the internet that happened. And that happened in um, in the 90s, right at a time where I was really um, doing a lot of um, uh, playing in bands and recording music digitally. So I got fascinated by computers. And then when the World Wide Web happened, I, I kind of saw this as like a seminal moment. And I said, I, I have to figure out how to get into that business. Um, so I, when I came back to New York, in the mid 90s, I kind of um, got myself um, into a job at the New York Times. Back then, it was the New York Times Electronic Media Division, which was um, which was uh, kind of the the bastard stepchild of, of the gray lady of, of the New York Times. Uh, we were a group of people that were coming from all walks of life because the internet space was so new, and it was exciting and it was creative for me. So I was really I was really excited to be a part of it. And then the, the internet becomes the internet. Uh, New York has the Silicon Alley kind of scene in which I was involved. Uh, and um, after I left the Times, I opened up a, a New York uh, office for a Silicon Valley company. So I was young and it was exciting times and, and, and the internet space was really growing. And for some crazy reason, um, I decided to sort of give up this really cushy job because a friend of mine uh, who I lived with when I was living in Hawaii uh, came to New York and said, hey, we should start a company. So, so that's really how Syrup, my first agency, started. And, um, you know, we, we were, it was the late 90s, so you could kind of feel like you could do anything. And um, we really didn't know much about advertising. We ne I never came from a big agency. He never came from a big agency. But we knew about the internet. We knew about digital. And, and it was a time when, when companies were kind of really looking for support to bring themselves online. Uh, and, and we had a lot of fashion clients, a lot of luxury clients that, that were sort of new to the space. And so Syrup grew. And... Um, you know, very early on with Syrup, we didn't understand why there was advertising agencies over here on one side and, and digital agencies on the other. So we really wanted to be much more of a fully holistic agency. And so, so we started calling ourselves an integrated agency somewhere around the year 2000. And, and no one really knew what to make of us for a while. And then, um, and then eventually they did. And, and we, we won some pretty amazing engagements. And one of them uh, was actually winning GE as a client and, and working with them, which turned into a seven-year engagement. It started with a very small project and turned into a digital agency of record for Syrup. And um, we were, um, one of the big engagements we worked on was, was Ecomagination, which was their sustainability initiative uh, from before it was named even through to it being a 20, then $25 billion business unit for them we were the digital agency doing all of the kind of storytelling online. And, and that was really quite an eye-opening experience to see this company that was transforming itself or trying to transform itself, trying to innovate through, um, through uh, you know, this, this whole area of sustainability. Um, so I think that that was one of the, the bigger inspirations uh, for Matter. And then, um, and then in 2008, um, there was this little known candidate uh, Barack Obama, 
who came along and I was, um, I had the, the fortune of breaking my ankle on a ski trip on a, I remember Martin Luther King day, 2008. And I was on my couch and, um, I was, I watched the New Hampshire speech, the famous speech that he gave. And one of my advisors, uh, for syrup at the time was Jesse Dillon, who gave me a call and said, you know, I'm in the studio here with Will I Am, and did you see the speech by this guy Obama? And I'm like, yes, absolutely, it was incredible. Like, wow. Um, and and this might be my guy, you know. Uh, and he's like, yeah, well, I think we're gonna we're gonna try and put together something for Super Tuesday. And Will's writing a song, and but we don't want to just do a music video. Can you make like a website, the thing that you guys do, and make it really cool? So I kind of like hobbled back to my office at the time, and I kind of told the team, look. Let's, we're going to spend the weekend here. We're going to come up with something. And we came up with hopebackchange.com, which became a website where people could share their videos from the campaign trail with Obama. And then Will did the Yes, yes We Can video. And we that was part of the same project. And, and then it went on to what it did. It was viewed by millions. So I really looked at that particular project and what it did with social media at the time as you know, it was kind of an eye opener for me. It was, it was something that showed me, wow, this is really powerful stuff that we do. You know, the job of advertising, the job of marketing is changing behavior for millions of people. People do it every day. Um, could I start to think about a kind of company that could do that only for positive things in the world? I saw how my team reacted. I saw how I felt about that work. It was more important to us than any other work that we did. So uh, in, I ended up selling that agency. We were acquired by LBI, which became LBI Digitas, which became Publicis. And um, I did my requisite three-year period um, during, during that um, post-acquisition period. And I learned a lot, but one of the things I learned was really seeing the inside of, of the advertising industry game. And I realized I didn't want to play it anymore. And I left and I didn't think I would ever start another agency again. And I went away to think about what I want to do with my life. And I went to Brazil and I got off the grid and it was just me and my guitar and a moleskin notebook. And, and these ideas were swimming in my head, the GE model, the, the Obama model, and, and, and thinking about, you know, kind of what my mom always used to say, which is write what you know. And uh, so I realized I love what I did. I love this business. I always did. You know, we, we create things. We think up great ideas. We're, do, we're, we're leveraging new technologies. It's exciting. But I couldn't take the context anymore. I didn't want to be selling to the world unconscious consumption anymore. So could I blend these two things that, that were the most interesting to me, this, in, this business of, of creative and strategic marketing and being of service? which is really where I, where my life was pushing towards in that moment. And that's really where the idea for Matter Unlimited came from. And so I came back from Brazil, full of energy, telling my parents and friends, I'm going to start an agency and it's going to be just working on good things. And they thought I was nuts. And then I remember I went to my first can that year and we had just started the agency. And I think we had one client and you know, I'm like telling people on the Carlton Terrace about a new kind of company because the world is going to be transforming around purpose and it's going to be, uh, you know, a new new kind of world and we're going to be the kind of agency to do it. And, and people just sort of tilted their head sideways and stared at me. They're like, that's nice, Rob. Yeah, go for it. Um, but uh, I stuck with it. So now we're 11 years later and and here we are. And, you know, I think it took about seven years or seven or eight years uh, longer than I thought it would for the world to really transform. But we are here. We are sitting in, you know, what we called back then the purpose-led economy, the purpose economy. And, and um, you know, the, the good news for the world, I think, and, the, you know, the good news for, for companies like myself is that this idea of purpose has has evolved and and evolved very quickly from being you know this idea of corporate social responsibility a bolt-on kind of powerless entity within an or organization if we're talking about you know brands and companies and it's evolved really to being licensed to operate now a company doesn't have 
the luxury to say, hey, we're going to try and do something. It's stakeholder pressure from all sides, from the financial community, from their own employees, from their customers, supply chain regulations, et cetera. So, so this kind of work around ESG, around purpose, the, the, the things that have really come to the forefront now are front and center. And we're feeling that, that energy and excitement as we're, as we're growing and um, have this specialized skill around it. So sorry, that was a long-winded answer. No, that was good. There was a lot. There was a lot to talk about. Clearly, and that was great. It was uh, that was awesome. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, your journey and and how you, the, the things you picked up and, and learned along the way. That's uh, that's pretty fascinating. We're at, as you said, we're at this time where um, you know everyone's everyone's talking about purpose and trying to get their heads around it. And uh, we actually, I think, we're at this really. Um, I've sort of been following. I worked on a. I, I, I claim no expertise in sustainability or purpose, but I did spend. I was. I worked on a project, and it was the first time that uh, I worked at McCann. The first time that McCann had ever been awarded uh, a piece of business without a product. Um, so we uh, helped Unilever build um, a total sustainable line of. Of, of household cleaning products back in the late 90s when no one knew what this was. Yeah. Um, so that was really, that was really a fascinating, that was a fascinating experience. And I, I, I think I just waited for so long for, it just took a long time for people to grasp. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. I mean, it, it took longer than I thought, um, you know, it, I think there's a couple of factors for that. Um, you know, general inertia in, in the world of business, let's say. Um, but also, I think that what, what we're experiencing now, um, certain world factors have really accelerated the, the focus here and, and the, the, the urgency. Um, you know, climate change is taking hold. Um, you have um, inequity at, at levels that are. Um, unprecedented in the world. We have, um, you know, we have uh, kind of the, the bloom off the rose of technology where, um, you know, people don't look at, um, you know, Silicon Valley and technology companies as just pure innovative saviors. It's really more what, what are all these technologies doing to us as a society? How is that impacting us? Um, I think that the Trump administration and, you know, disinformation campaigns coming from, from um, some of our adversaries in the world, um, East-West battles um, through, you know, social engineering, these things are, are understood. Um, and I think also, you know, issues around race in America that, that persist, um, these are all drivers that, that have kind of created this, this storm um, yeah. of, of activity and, you know, um, shaken people out of a certain sense of complacency and organizations are going to have to react. They don't have the, 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 the luxury of sort of sitting on the sidelines anymore because of the demands of these various stakeholders. So it's, it's an exciting time. It's also a time of real transformation. And I, you know, because for, for all these years, we've been living in this space of social impact. It's hard. I, I, I sometimes don't even say I'm in the advertising or marketing or digital industry anymore because we, we live so much within these issues of climate change, racial social justice, health equity, and education equity. And, and we know the people that are doing incredible work on the ground. We see the foundations that are funding it. We see the actors in the space. And now the opportunity that's really there is for the business world to really connect uh, their aspirations with some of this activity and action that's happening on the ground. And there's real opportunity to do it. There's real benefit for those companies to get in front of it. So it's, you know, it's kind of one of these moments where I, I, I kind of relate it to sort of the digital revolution that I experienced you know, in, in the first round in the 90s and, and 2000s, where companies had to transform, they didn't have a choice. I remember when I was at the New York Times, and we talked to some companies about advertising on the New York Times digital, and they say, nah, you know what, the internet's not for us. That's for other kind of companies We're you know, we don't want to be on the internet. <laughs> and it was astounding for us, because we were living in the internet space. And we knew the, the revolution that was happening to the world. 
I kind of look at that at, at, at this moment for for the, let's say the larger word of purpose, or at least become or getting your ESG correct, your your environmental, social, and governance index well as a company. This has become a license to operate. As I said, this has become an a, an absolute imperative. And if you're a company that is, you know, putting your head in the sand around that, or you're you're not going to get in front of it. You're not going to be that innovative company in the front. You're certainly not going to attract and retain the kind of talent you need to be innovative. And you're probably going to have a lot of a lot of pressure on you as an organization because the world is is again um, building tighter regulations and more strict policies, and and you know you're going to be sort of left behind in, in that. So I think that that's kind of why there's this push now, um, and and yeah. why we're feeling it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it definitely, it, it it definitely all makes sense. I mean, I do sort of believe in the world, and it's the same. I like your parallel with digital because I think it's, I think there's a lot of similarities. The one thing I would say was sort of, um, corporations are motivated by money, and uh, you know, the digital thing was you, you kind of got to, it wasn't it wasn't like a, it, it, it didn't have. Um, the intangibles it was all about tangibles it was about you've got to, people are going here you can they they need to see your brand here you need to be present here to start with and then ultimately now you need to sell here mm -hmm. whereas i feel um and just some experience that i've had of working on projects um the i feel there's a lot of companies who where sustainability sits now it's moved from sort of csr to sort of regulatory compliance and um, so you've got sort of a little battle going on where, uh, you know, you've got teams of lawyers who are doing all the compliance stuff. And then you've got the marketing people kind of wondering whether they should actually have anything to talk about. Because if it's just compliance, it's just compliance. It's not very exciting. It's not the, it's not the dynamic uh, initiatives that we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's interesting to see the examples of the, of the companies who, decide what is that driver that says you know we need to write a check for a billion dollars to uh help disadvantaged communities and we absolutely need to do that or we need you know citibank or you know there's some really good examples of companies who've just said look we can't ignore this um yeah. and i always think it's interesting trying to understand what was the catalyst that made them make that decision because you kind of want to use that to convince other people that they need to do the same. And, and this Paul, you know, Paul Pullman, I don't know if you know. Um, Absolutely. Doing. Yeah. I mean, he had, I think he had this really great quote, which he said, look, I only need to get 5% of the fossil fuel CEOs in a room and tell them what they need to do. I don't need 100% of them. I just need 5% of them. And once the 5% get it, then they go tell the others. You know, and I, and I think that it is about like um, the pressure comes from within. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I but I also think that it's, you know, it's larger than sort of writing those checks or being philanthropic, which is great. And I think that organizations do still need to do that. And, and they've they've done some, you know, amazing things by being charitable, let's say. But the way but around sort of the, the, the issue areas that, that we work in. I think it's bigger than bigger than that, and the opportunity is bigger because if you look at climate change right now, um, you know, at, at Matter we we talk about it sometimes as climate opportunity, just because right now there is such a massive massive push in the climate space, and it is opening up tremendous areas of innovation, tremendous areas of opportunity um, for organizations that are getting out ahead of it. Whether they're in the startup space, we're working with uh, one organization. Um, that that is newly funded and uh they're doing forest a, a project on forest regeneration and it's technology and it's you know it's, it looks just like any other startup except it's within you know the climate space and the climate space is exploding from a startup point of view and it's exploding as well from companies that are sort of stepping into it because they understand the opportunity so it's a business decision there um when you look at you know issues around around um you know racial and social justice you know certainly the, the acceleration of of attention in the past couple of years um post george floyd and it has been tremendous in the organizations that we've worked with for a very long time or or have 
you know, crossed over or, 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 you know, kind of collaborated with organizations like Color of Change, they've received tremendous amount of attention, funding, et cetera. And organizations have new opportunities, like companies have new opportunities to work with these kinds of organizations to get their story right. And that's really about the people that are working for them and the people they're selling to. And if they are losing touch with being in touch with the communities that they serve and the people that, that work within those organizations, they simply are gonna be left behind. And, and that's, I think, a business driver, right? So different than, you know, just, again, the corporate social responsibility concept of let's support this thing over here um, that might not be as connected to our business. Um, but I, I think for us, we're seeing boardrooms really starting to understand this um, very deeply and, and, you know, and feeling, you know, pressure on the one hand and then looking for the opportunity on the other hand. And I think that that's a good development. Um, and as, as we go forward, it's going to be more, more space for innovation for companies. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really interesting that you, um, you know, you took about the translating into a, into a business imperative, you know, the, the, the climate change is an opportunity. It's not, it is a threat, but it can be, um, framed as a, as an opportunity diversity issues are it's about where people want to work and the environment people want to work in and it, it, it and it increasingly is i mean i think um you know we've got the the gen z is the most diverse generation in american history um yeah and you know it's for the point the caucasian is the minority so um the the, the world the world is, the world is changing so how do you how do you um a couple of interesting—I mean, maybe interesting, interesting questions for me. Um, how do you how do you build your teams? Because uh, there's some that these, as you talk about those areas, they're they're quite different. Uh, yeah. Somebody knows about climate change doesn't necessarily know about uh, diversity issues and and vice versa, and the type of skill sets you need uh, to do this work. Do, do, you, yeah. do, you, do, do you how do you work? How do you bring in people? Yeah, um, you know, I, I that's a great point. I think, you know, that's why I, I really do think we do marketing and advertising like things, but we, um, you know, we take it from a very different context. And I, I think from the beginning, when I started the company, I, I realized, well, we couldn't just be like a traditionally formed and framed agency if we're going to do this kind of work. Um, we really had to balance very, very strong strategic con contextual work with creative output. And I never wanted to be either side. So I didn't want us to just be sort of like the consultants in the room, deliver a deck to a client for a couple million dollars and say goodbye, good luck and see, see how you can kind of put that into, into work. And I didn't want to be the creative team that just thought up big ideas. And, and that was it. I think my previous agency was much more leaning in the creative side. And so I, I think that um, we had to bridge both of this, and one of and and the missing component was category expertise within the things that we were working in. Um, so I think from the beginning we we've been very focused on building our team. Number one, to reflect and walk the walk of what we're talking about. Um, I'm very proud to say that we have a really diverse team um, within our company that brings a lot of different voices to the table. Um, we're, we're, you know, basically a, a women-led organization with working mothers at the top. Um, I think I'm the only guy uh, at, at, you know, in our leadership team. I know I am. Um, and then when it comes to sort of the issue areas that we work in, we make a part of our strategic process bringing in category experts that we work with. And the, the good thing about us is we often say we, we sort of sit in the center of culture, capital, and cause because we're working, um, it's not just brands that we work with. Uh, in fact, we work often, depending on the year, more with big nonprofits, largest foundations. So a Midiar network or Rockefeller Foundation or Gates Foundation, uh, or some of the big nonprofits that are really working on racial justice issues or working on climate or working on health issues. Um, so we're working on those projects with the people that are on the ground doing the work at the same time, then we might come to a brand that is looking to develop, you know, certain program or, or certain, um, you know, um, 
understanding a certain aspect of, of purpose. So we kind of have the expertise because we've been doing that strategic contextual work. So for our nonprofit and foundation clients, they really like that we're kind of in the business world and we know how to do this, this sort of modern eco or, or, or develop this modern ecosystem marketing. The brands love that we we work within this, you know, with the people on the ground in the impact space, and we bring that book to bear. And now um, we're definitely experiencing some very significant growth and we're building out our teams. Our strategists are not just brand strategists. They are thinkers within the space. And, and I think that we have a real collective knowledge that's unique at Matter because of what we've been working on and what we've been through with clients over, over the course of these years. And as we're growing, we're bringing in more people. But the good thing is, is around us is this network. We call it you know, our Matter Network. We have thought leaders across all of these categories that, that we bring in to work specifically on these projects to give us the right context to understand a diversity of thought that we couldn't just have inside the agency. Um, and, and that's exciting. And I think that as we're growing, the good news is that you know, in the great resignation that's happening you know, on a macro level and then within advertising in general, we are experiencing the opposite effect where we're we're seeing more talent and more amazing people coming in our direction because they now want to take their skill set and and put it towards the kind of things that we're working on which which um you know helps us um certainly to build out a great team so when it comes to like business development is it kind of are you is it mainly word of mouth that you know these foundations are pretty well connected to each other and the word travels you did you do some good work for someone and they that gets spread or you find yourselves in uh, competitive pitches in the traditional sense yeah for sure i think that you know now that we you know over the years have built a i i, I would hope a, a pr pretty good reputation and our work has been out there and we've won awards etc for, for for the work and and our, our work's getting noticed definitely the inbound business to us has accelerated and increased um what we hear is there aren't many uh you know firms like us um and um we're hearing that from our clients and i think that we can look at the landscape and see that that there you know aren't so many firms that have a creative and strategic approach that kind of take this center space of nonprofit and brand and do both with some dexterity so so that gives us some sort sort of advantage i think uh in the space and has allowed us to grow um but yeah we are we also now have a bigger team and we have um, um people that are working on partnerships and we're we're looking at organizations that that we can identify and see these these guys are doing really interesting things we believe we can help them and we're having conversations and a lot of times those conversations are pretty organic because we're sitting in the same rooms we might be working on an issue area and meet a brand or working on an issue area and meet a new nonprofit. And certainly our clients are, are, are doing a lot of that work. Um, and our work is expanding. It's really moved beyond just, you know, helping a company express what they're doing and communicate it. And we're getting much more these days into, you know, what's the, what that organizations are going to do that the, the more programmatic side that, that crosses us more into what I would say is traditionally the management consulting area. Um, and we've always sort of blended across all of this. And our goal as we're building out our team is to build skill sets to have both sides of that develop. Because we do think with this work, you know, it's not advertising and it's not just a campaign. These are long-term initiatives that organizations can do to really action their purpose, which is, you know, matters mantra is 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 really that action your purpose and it is about action now it can't just be do a good campaign and and you know say you do something because that time is really passed for organizations to you know get credit just for a creative marketing and you know experiment that doesn't have the real meat behind what they're doing um behind it yeah i would imagine i mean um you know having worked at agencies for a while um and, and and you you obviously had some direct experience of, of working in a large in a large uh, multinational. Um, very good at superficial, you know. We could do this. It's one page in a deck. 
not so good at the uh, at the depth uh, and when it comes to action. And I think predominantly because certainly in pitches, you're not getting paid. You know, you don't get you're not getting paid to go into the weeds and pull out the right thing. And I would imagine that work is quite, you know, you want you want you want to be in an in a client engagement before you go into the weeds and find the right things for them because that's a lot of work, right? I mean, yeah. finding the right um, partners and finding the right programs and building those programs is a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely, and and I have to think that that's really changing and shifting for for. Um, for agencies. I think that, um, you, you know, when I look at some of the models that are out there and, you know, the, the management consultants that have, you know, acquired creative agencies or the creative agencies that have acquired the management consulting part of it, I think that that direction is because, um, or, you know, this, this need is there for organizations to think bigger around the initiatives that they're doing. Um, you know, we we recently started working with Gildan, which is the largest one of the largest T-shirt makers in the world, and they make T-shirts for a lot of companies, Nike, Adidas, and they they own American Apparel, etc. That company um, uh, has spent years really building their supply chain in a way that that is innovative. Um, working in this patent, they did a lot of work that they weren't getting credit for. Um, to make their company better, to index really, really well on ESG. And a lot of their competitors were really out there greenwashing with marketing, you know, with, with, with advertising that just didn't have what, what this company had behind it. And we've been working with them now to elevate and amplify what they're doing. So um, it's exciting. It's exciting to see an entire company really come together around this. It's not just a marketing initiative there. It's really the full C-suite understanding, hey, this is a real need and imperative. Let's figure out what we're doing. And it's opening new opportunities, right? Um, as they go forward, they have partnerships in place with, with organizations that they do activations with from a marketing perspective, but now there's opportunities to do it from an ESG or a purpose perspective. And, and we are then taking those ideas and trying to build them into longer term programmatic things that can take you know, a, a cool marketing idea and extend it and, and drive it further. So our ideas are sort of being built into this kind of long-term perspective. I do think more, more of advertising, well, maybe not all of it. I think advertising and, you know, that, that Super Bowl spot still works and, you know, all of that, but that's not really the business that, that we're in. We're really looking to help an organization that's, that is looking to make this transformation and look for innovation along the way that they, they can really plug into culture. They can plug into, you know, doing something that that will have real impact um, and having those things be a real win for them as a brand. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, you're sort of touching on something that, that I thought was fascinating to to work with a sort of an unknown um, but massive company, you know, that that, that controls a sort of huge portion of an apparel business. Yeah. Um, the greenwashing thing is, is I, I'm really interested in, um, a couple of things like um, the, the, the problem with certainly a lot of this stuff, you know, advertising is remarkably simple, right? You, you, you have a product in a, in, a, in, a, in a product category, you're trying to find a point of difference, somehow you find it, and then you just amplify that point of difference. You can't really, uh, you, you, if you apply the same logic, you're, 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 you're reducing, it, the reductiveness is ridiculous when yeah. you're dealing with such complex issues. Yeah. And I mean, I remember reading a really interesting study that VW did where they compared an electric diesel, an electric golf versus a diesel golf. And in the whole environmental life cycle, the electric golf was marginally better. And I'm talking less than 5%. Yeah. Whereas if you talk to a consumer in the street and say, what do you think is better for the environment, an electric golf or a diesel golf? Else, 90%, 95% will say, hands down, uh, you know, the electric golf is better. These, these issues are really, really complicated. And um, getting people to have the bandwidth to understand. I mean, everyone, everyone has this presentation, right, with Gen Z consumers. Like, you know, the poll data says, you know, Gen Z don't 
uh, dip into their wallet without um, analyzing the social credentials of the brands they're buying from? Yes and no, yeah. Well, what, how does that, I don't think many people have done a really good job of like dissecting what that really is about and uh, understanding um, the, the difference between greenwashing and real, real authentic behaviors. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's still early when it comes to that, but, you know, because there still is, there still is a lot of greenwashing or good washing as, as we sometimes call it. And I, I think that our, our point of view and, you know, what we talk to with our clients and our partners is, again, this isn't, this isn't advertising and it's not just about um, trying to show a product differentiation that, you know, your whatever is better than someone else's whatever, right? And you, it's also, I think the other shift is that, you know, traditionally advertising has talked about perfection a lot. You know, it's talked about, we have the best this, we're the best tasting, we're the best this, you know, and let's just find the most creative way to, to make sure people understand that. When it comes to this, this is a, a longer term kind of a trajectory as a company. It's, it's really built more akin to kind of, you know, what business transformation looked like in the 70s and, and all of this, this kind of work that companies are doing. And we say you don't always have to communicate perfection. Really what it's about is communicating the journey. I mean, I definitely learned that with GE where, you know, they set really good strategic goals and all through the years of working with them, we were communicating the journey towards those goals. And they were getting a lot of credit for, for that kind of approach, you know, and there were so many people that, that wanted to just, you know, say it was, it was, wasn't really, you know, they, they were just kind of um, glossing over things. I think that companies do have to look at it as a long-term. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's, that's a really, that's a really, that's a really good point. I, I, I recently posted um, on LinkedIn something about, I, I really liked about Patagonia. Um, yep. Every single water repellent outdoor jacket is harmful to the environment, which is is, is ironic. You know, you're going out in the outdoors, and this thing is 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 full of toxins and full of bad stuff. So, nineteen, the only company, well, maybe there are some startups who are doing it, but the only big outdoor apparel company that's actually said, "Hang on a minute, we're raising our hand and saying, yeah, this isn't good. We admit it." Yeah. And, I mean, Patagonia's and lived that way. Yeah, they've been they've been that model, you know, uh, you know, for forever. And, yeah. and you know, people know that brand. Yeah, at, at walking the walk. Um, and there, you know, it used to be that we could only point at Patagonia, and now there are starting to be a, a lot more organizations that are really taking this approach. And again, I don't think that it's just because they think it's the right thing to do, you know? And I don't think it's because, um, you know, they, they, they just think that there's opportunity. I think all of these things are working right now within the world we're living in that are really pressuring companies to look deeper and find new ways to be an innovative forward-facing brand. And that's always been the job of, of, of an executive, a CEO in a company, their job and their pressure and their, their, their stress every day is to satisfy the stakeholders for which they serve. And that means the people that work for them, their customers, their um, distributors, and, you know, all of these very, their, their investors, you know. And one of the, the most um, interesting things right now is the financial pressure coming to to companies where their investment community is now making these demands of, of companies to say, you need to be better on, on, and you need to be indexing higher on these areas of purpose or, or ESG, um, because we have those demands from our, you know, our stakeholders as well. So it's all conspiring to, to, um, really demand innovation within this space. And again, we don't say go out and, you know, just try and shout from the rafters your perfection. 
because that probably won't work out so well. Real authentic communication across, again, this amazingly wide and fragmented landscape of marketing that we have today and communication. Um, but get your message clear, get the narrative correct, understand what your pillars are as far as what your company is going to stand for and stand with and what you may or may not address and figure out how you're going to be able to sort of navigate and communicate that over time, pushing in certain areas more in certain times than other areas. That's the kind of the kind of work that that we're doing with our clients over time. And and what we see the impact of it, we see how it works and it tends to snowball in, in organizations where, you know, they start to see the benefits and, and they start to roll in from different areas and um, more and more, uh, more and more energy sort of starts to move in this, in this direction. Um, and, you know, for us, that's, that's when it gets really exciting is to see that, you know, companies that are, that are really starting to understand, wow, we're really, we're really getting somewhere here, which is really fun. So, so when you um, want to ask a few more questions, um, what does satisfaction look like? You know, what is, what is success in, in terms of uh, your, the work you're doing? We know, we know like, classic agencies that's why they go to can to pick up the lions and and a lot of people get motivated by that but clearly yeah. sort of more of a deeper motivation going on going on with what you're doing yeah for sure uh yeah and you know we're very proud of our can lions um you know a little agency like us winning them you know in categories where you, we, we were up against add a zero to the budget of every campaign that we were right. up against and we still won which is great um you know i always said i wanted to create um you know the best and most strategic and creative agency in the world. It just so happens that we only work 100% on purpose-led work. I didn't want it to be the other way around. I didn't want it to be, hey, we're the best social impact agency in the world, because I really believe that in 10 years, we won't be talking about any of this. It will just be the way that companies are marketing and communicating to their stakeholders, just like we don't call, you know, there's very few digital agencies anymore, you know, it's just you're you're an agency. So I think that the best the, the, the biggest thing about us, and uh, the thing that that keeps me after 11 years doing this, and I think it's my 20, <laughs> 23rd year running an agency, which is crazy, never thought I'd do this this long, but I get up every morning, and I engage with an, a, an incredibly plugged in team of people that are working on the most pressing human challenge issues that exist in our world. And we are working across all of it and we are learning every day about these issues. And there's no issue out there that is black and white. It's really, really very nuanced, very complex. And you start to understand a little bit more about how the world works each day. And I think that's a gift for, you know, to, to be able to have a job that I can go to and, um, and meet these people that are really on the ground doing incredible things in the world to learn about it. And then to sort of take it forward into informing something else that might have impact. That's, that's really a gift. And I think everybody in our company feels that um, every day because, you know, they're, they're literally working on stuff that is changing the world, uh, you know, in one way or another, it, it's, it's making a positive dent in the world. And um, I think that many people that I come across or, 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 or sort of seek me out for a cup of coffee or whatever, and ask me, you know, how'd you do this? What'd you do? I, I just, it, I just, you know, looked at my time in that I could put out there to do anything. And I, I just made the, the choice to do it in this way. And, you know, back then there just weren't as many channels and options. I think, you know, I, someone coming out of school today, maybe they even studied social impact or sustainability in, a, in an actual, um, you know, university that, that taught this stuff. And, you know, they have options now to go and say, where am I going to put my effort? And more and more, they're making that choice to move towards this area. I think one of the goals for me for Matter was, was also kind of on a larger level of saying, if I could prove that we could be successful at any way with this company, 
maybe more people would start agencies that focused on this stuff and there would be more work and more people would start working in this area. And that's, that's turned out to be true. That that's what's happening. Um, and to me, that's exciting because we have a tremendous amount of creative people in this business uh, that, that are brilliant and, you know, they could be doing a lot with, with their time. Any, um, any particular recent work or, or, or things you've worked on that you, uh, you, you like to talk about a little bit, like um... yeah, sure. Um, you, you know, these days uh, we we really have a lot of work coming out. Um, I mentioned the Gildan work; we're very exciting, excited. That's coming out soon. We we don't quite have that out in the world, but um, we did a lot of work with them on the creative strategy last year. That was a um, we're pretty excited about uh, what's happening there. I think we just launched um, a new brand um, called Capital B. Um, it was started um, by one of the former editors um, at Vox to create a news organization for the Black Voices. Um, for um, you know, and it's the branding and sort of the launch of that. I, it, we're really proud of the work and just proud to be working with an organization like that. Um, you know, that really, um, you know, kind of captures uh, this particular moment and can create and, and got funding to 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 create you know a, a new company like this. Um, I think we are always, always tremendously proud of the work that we've been doing with Merck on Merck for Mothers. Um, we're past our seventh year working with them. And, and Merck for Mothers is, is a commitment that Merck made to ending maternal mortality. They invested many hundreds of millions of dollars towards that work. And in, in fact, in many areas, including the United States, they're often doing more on maternal mortality than even our own government is. Um, so when we started with that, that company um, and with Merck for Mothers, um, it was kind of a wonky uh, program. Um, you know, people within their in their world knew about it. You know, in, in the maternal health space, knew about it, but people didn't really understand externally. Even we found that many of Merck's own employees didn't even know that they were doing this this whole effort. So we came in and we really developed a brand platform for them, and then we created. Um, a, a very um, just an amazing um, kind of anthemic film that expressed, you know, the why, why are they involved in this? Why are they doing this program? It was called Push. And that film, you know, that was where some of our can lines came from. It was really a, a beautiful film and it was, it was telling a story authentically about, you know, women who die every, every minute really uh, around the world from avoidable issues around childbirth. And that film in within two weeks became the most viewed film in Merck's history. It still still remains, um, you know, the most viewed um, piece of content that they've ever put out. And from there, we went on to many years of, of really elevating and amplifying this program so that they could do their work better, really. And, you know, they, they expanded their partnerships, the, the program grew. And uh, they, they're just celebrating the 10th year. Um, we just did the 10th year anniversary of that program uh, for Merck. And you know, to be involved with an organization that really are, are doctors inside of a company that, that somehow convinced their board to do this initiative uh, and built this program. And the program is really doing work in Africa, India, the United States, all over the world that is really directly impacting women's lives to have a hand in helping them to amplify and do more of their work and to do, to do it better and get their the powers that be to look at and invest more inside these programs. That's amazing. That's, you know, that's, that's, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, best. yeah. 10, 10 year relationships, amazing and, and growing it and building it um, is, is really interesting. When you, what, it must be a goal. I mean, you, you, you clearly have the capabilities and you think long term that um, you kind of want every client, you kind of want to be working for every client for 10 years and beyond, don't you? Because I mean, th that's when the results, it's about commitment. Sure. And, and it's about results. And, and it take those things, to, as you said earlier, take time. So yeah. we, we live in a world that is incredibly project based. Yeah. Right? Agencies getting hired and fired left, right, and center. Yeah. Uh, so trying to change that paradigm is um, is challenging, right? Yeah, because, because clients because clients change, right? Sure, their, their, their turnover is so rapid. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure at Merck, you've had so many different 
leaders and people involved in that program, maybe? Actually, you know, that no, program. Maybe not. Maybe that's the reason you've been having it. It's been pretty consistent, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the man who, who brought us in and was running the program, Dr. Naveen yeah. Rao, uh, he, he was there for many years and now he is the head of health at Rockefeller Foundation. And, um, you know, uh, Marianne Etibet, Dr. Marianne, um, who's incredible. And again, they're all doctors. Um, she's been there with, with Naveen and now is running the program. Um, yeah, I think maybe, you know, matter has always kind of been a bit of counter programming, you know, I think that, you know, because of what we do, we our work accelerated while, you know, uh, other agencies have have maybe diminished based on the fact that, you know, ESG and purpose have kind of come to the forefront. Um, I think in the same way, our relationships are expanding and becoming more long term at a time when things are shifting towards projects. Um, and part of it is because organizations are taking this work seriously. They're saying, we know this isn't just a campaign. We know we have to sort of look out and transform our company. And the conversations that we're having with some companies just get more and more interesting. In fact, they're kind of astounding. Um, when you, we, you know, cause we're, we're now sort of sitting in the rooms where companies are really rolling up their sleeves and saying, okay, for the next 10 years, we know we can't do it. Like we did for the last 50, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And then how are we going to talk about it? And that's, you know, where we're headed as a company is, is to be in that room, to be a valued partner, to, to help with that um, work and, you know, um, get the right people sitting around the table so that they can do more of that work. So, so hopefully, you know, that's going to continue, that trend will continue. And I, I think that, um, you know, as we're expanding and growing, we are, our team is growing only just to meet the moment right now. And the moment is, is to engage in these ways with companies and think, you know, help them to think um, more long-term around these issues. Well, thanks so much for your time. It's been a great conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is your host, Ed Colton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.